Welcome to Beyond Synth. Please note, Beyond Synth is an explicit program and may contain inappropriate language. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Hey there, welcome to the show. This is Beyond Synth. I am Andy Last. I host the show. This is the show where we uh, talk to people who make cool music. And uh, and that's what we're going to do today, man. Uh, I don't know why I'm explaining what the show is. This is something new. I want you to know. It's important. We're going to listen to some cool music today. Color Theory is my guest, and I'll be chatting with him later in the show. And since it's been many, many weeks since I've talked to Florence, we're going to catch up with Florence and listen to some music. And I have a promise that much like the video game from the N64 era starring James Bond, which I talk about too much and we had a moratorium on the subject, now I will also be instigating another moratorium on the topic of... Star Wars The Last Jedi. So this should be the last episode where we talk about that movie. There may be an interview next week or possibly the week after that I recorded like a few weeks ago where it might have gotten mentioned, but I'm just letting you know now, if you're tired of me talking about it, that is another subject that is going on the um, the moratorium list. We like to do that here to keep things fresh on the show. Because keeping things fresh is a cool thing to do. And now uh, let's listen to some music. Uh, here's a track from 1912. Uh, this was from their album From the Off-World Colonies. And uh, there's a few tracks on here that I used to... I love playing all the time. Uh, Y2K. But I think this is a track that I have not played on the show before. And this is URL. Oh, 
And that was URL by 1912. Make more music, dudes. Because that's still from the album they released a while back. But uh, there's some catchy songs on there. And I want to remind you all to go to beyondsynth.com, which is home to the Synthwave Artist Database. There's a whole database there of awesome people who make cool music. It's not just Synthwave, but it's mostly Synthwave. People who I've played their music on this show, and also some artists uh, that I haven't, because the database is, uh, you know, people can send emails to Beyond Synth. There's a form there, and so if you're, uh, you know, a synthwave artist or something you can you can get added to the list even if you haven't been played on the show but it's a really cool thing there's like over like 500 entries it's pretty cool and the website was designed by a dude called mike rezel and you should go uh, check out his website because he gives fast uh service he makes websites he gives free hosting he builds uh, tools in so you can easily sort of uh, edit the site yourself once it's up and he did a great job with beyondsynth.com and so go check him out it's mike rezel it's m-i-k-e-r-e-z-l dot com and i suggest uh, you check it out because it's cool stuff man and what else oh yeah and beyond synth is brought to you by zencaster.com z-e-n-c-a-s-t-r.com that's podcasting recording software for podcasters and it's over the uh well <laughs> it's podcasting recording software for plumbers uh no it's a good website it basically it's it's all online you know it creates like a chat room where you connect with your guests, you hit record, and it records separate audio channels for all of the guests and sends it to your Dropbox in good quality. It's a really good service. I use it to record the interviews on Beyond Synth, and uh, if you want to try it out, uh, the paid service, you can get 20% off if you go to Zencaster.com and enter the promo code Beyond Synth. It's a cool thing to do. Uh, let's listen to some more music. Here's one from Crozet off the album Running Time, and this is the titular Running Time.
was Running Time by Crozet. I dig that one. They are some, some talented folks. And you are listening to Beyond Synth. Uh, what to do? What to do? Oh, don't forget to check out Retro Revolutions. On YouTube, Jared, he's a a good sponsor to Beyond Synth, and he does lots of cool things that you should uh, check out. He mods old video game consoles, and I think the most recent video is he's modding an Atari Lynx and making like a console version, so he's like taking the insides out and then rewiring it. I think he's putting it in an Atari case, so you can actually play it on a television, but it's a Lynx. It's cool. He does does neat things like that. Lots of rewiring and soldering and stuff. So go check that out. That's a retro Revolutions on YouTube at Retro Faith Games on Twitter and Retro underscore Revolutions on Instagram. We're going to do some Patreon thank yous, but we got some new patrons this week. So, uh, Josh Riley. Thanks, buddy. Josh Riley, you're a cool guy. Uh, I like Josh Riley. He's uh, donated to Beyond Synth and a new donation from Action Jackson. Just so nobody gets confused, I will also read these donations again when I get to like the part, but I just like to acknowledge the new donors at the top of the show now. It's my new thing. And uh, Action Jackson makes uh, cool synthwave music, and you should check him out. And thank you for your support. And new donor Robert Wolf. You're a cool guy. You're all cool people, man. So those are my new donors this week. Uh, Josh Riley, Action Jackson, Robert Wolf. You're all special people. So how about this? Let's listen to another track, and then we'll go talk to Florence and catch up with Florence, because it's been um, a while. i got to get my shit together. All right, here's a track from Telelectrics. That's a tough one. Telelectrics. Telelectrics. Yeah. Yeah, I see. I want to say Telectrics, but it's Telelectrics. Telelectrics. Why does anyone listen to this show? Uh, here's a, it's a track from their album, Embrace the Change, and this is Something Golden.
that was Telelectrics with the song Something Golden from the album Embrace the Change. And that was brought to you by my lovely Patreon supporters. There's the king of the Pattersons, Chris Williams. Chris Williams is a cool guy who's doing lots of interesting things behind the scenes on Beyond Synth. And with the 4488, it's Mr. Jacob Wick. Jacob Wick is a very generous and kind civil engineer, correct? (laughs) I mean, we know you're kind, but when I say the word civil engineer out loud, it doesn't sound like a person who builds. It sounds like some sort of like SimCity thing where you're like organizing people, because that's like the civil part, because I don't really understand words. And then there's the people in the $25 club. There's Mr. Clint Dowling, Christian James, Mike Shima, Joey and Kendra, Gregorio Franco, and Chris Dance, the coolest people in the world. And you guys are awesome, and... Uh, Uh, It was late last night, and I was uh, just editing the show, and I tweeted out, I know I'm really bad at being sincere, but really, like, everyone's support of Beyond Synth is huge. I was sitting there editing, and I was just like, wow, like, I, you know, I'm making this thing that people seem to enjoy, and uh, and I I get to edit it and and work on this show. I'm bad at being, sorry. (laughs) I'm just, thank you is my point. (laughs) And of course, with the 1987... It's Frank Skenicky. All right. Thank you all for supporting Beyond Synth. You're very special people. If you want to uh, support the show, like these lovely people, you can go to patreon.com slash beyondsynth, or you can go to beyondsynth.com and just click the donate button. Man, things are flying. What? I don't know. Let's go talk to Florence. Well, we're catching up with Florence. Hi, Florence. Hey, Andy. How's it going? Going okay. We haven't talked in a long time. It has been a while. Mm. Couple months. Hasn't been months, has it? More than a month. Over a month, for sure. And we probably recorded episode 150 a few weeks before it aired. Oh, yeah. Right? Because cause weren't we joking the whole time? Because everyone kept on saying things that were going to be wrong because we recorded it like a few weeks earlier? Yeah. No, totally. This is is dumb. How have you been? Okay. (laughs) Life's been crazy. Why? I had this stupid summer class that I was taking, but it was a six-week class, a semester worth of class condensed into six weeks. So I was like off the face of the earth for those six weeks, but it was bookended by human music and then Outrun the Sun, which happened at the end of it. So that was really interesting. So I talked to Marco. He 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 said he had fun at uh, Human Music, and you guys got to. I got to meet Marco and Jazzy. It was awesome. So did you have a good time? Were you happy with your uh, performance and stuff? Yeah, I had a great time. It was really fun to meet everybody, mm-hmm. and because of a ton of people, I just I had heard names and seen various pictures, but never actually. You know, it's always cool to meet people in real life. That's what I said to Marco is my favorite part of those events is just the actual 
chatting with people like because i just like to hang out and talk to people and so to me i mean this is a terrible thing to say but it's almost like the musical performances are like secondary to me because it's more about just you know a lot of people i've developed relationships with over you know five six years of of doing the show and and then finally to like just sit down and be able to like hey let's like sit and have a beer and have a conversation like that's almost more of what i'm into no i totally agree and it was awesome for me because i was literally the first person to play the entire weekend at human music so i played my set and then it was just fun for the rest of the night so i just got to hang out and talk to a bunch of people and watch some cool music it was awesome so you were just flying around social butterfly yeah i guess (laughs) (laughs) well that's cool so who is your favorite person and who is your least favorite person oh everybody was the best I don't have any least favorite people. Well, I'm glad you had a good time. Uh, that's the important thing. What What were you taking for your six-week course? Like, what was the subject matter? I was taking a class on persuasion, mm. actually. It was kind of interesting. Do you want to try and do an experiment on me over the course of this conversation to try and persuade me of something? I don't know, maybe. But I'm not going to tell you if I'm going to if I'm doing it. Explain persuasion to me. Because in my head, I think of it as just like it's this, some sort of passive hypnotism. But I know it's not that. Well, I mean, there we learned certain techniques that you can use in order to persuade somebody to comply with something. Either whether or not they're buying something or changing their mind about something. Is one of the techniques to have an umbrella with like a swirly pattern on it that you like spin in front of people to hypnotize them? How did you know that? See, I don't need to take a course for six weeks. I had to do a couple presentations in class. That's all my presentations were. I just took an umbrella with a <laughs> like a spiral on it. Yeah, exactly. Spun it in front you of the class. You spin it, you hook it up to a motor, and then just tell everyone to stare at the center of it, and then you pull out a pocket watch and tell people they're getting sleepy. Yeah. I know all about persuasion. Of course you do. I don't think, I don't think I've ever persuaded a single person of anything. <laughs> <laughs> like... That's been my life. Is anyway. I passed the class. I did. I actually did fairly. Thank you. Thank you for the applause. You're welcome. I actually did fairly well, which was hilarious because I sort of reached a point where I was so stressed out and I was like, I'm just going to phone this in. I don't care. Like, as long as I pass, I don't care what grade I get. I handed in, like, at least what I thought was the worst paper that I've ever handed in grad school. And then I did pretty well on it. I don't know. I think maybe. Her teacher was kind of like, eh, it's the summer. Did you utilize the persuasive techniques to maybe trick your teacher into thinking it was a better paper than it was? No, I didn't even think of doing that, but um, I don't know, maybe I subconsciously did. Well, that's fun. Why did you take this course? Um, It was the only course that (laughs) worked in the summer for me. Okay. I found it pretty interesting, actually. Well, it seems interesting. Well, you can you can tell me all about persuasion, because I'd like to know. i got to convince people to listen to this program. We'll see. I haven't used any of the techniques yet in real life. All right. Well, look, I'm happy you passed, and it's good to, it's good to catch up with you. So let's uh, listen to a track, and then we'll fucking thank some patrons, and then we'll, uh, we'll keep talking. So, all right, here's a track by some dude called Eric C. Powell. I like when people put their middle initial uh, into the thing. It makes them seem more, uh, what's the word? I was going to use the word prominent. That's not correct. You seem more like a serious person when you have the middle initial in there. Sophisticated? Think this guy's sophisticated? I don't know. (laughs) Well, anyways, uh, here's a track from his album, Back to Life. This is All Comes Back.
all comes back by eric c powell uh, uh attorney at law that's what, whenever i see the the middle initial that's all i think of uh from the album back to life and that was brought to you by my lovely patreon supporters we have a new 15 dollars supporter this week action jackson so go check out the music of action jackson because he's he's put out a bunch of albums and uh, of course there's ken jeru uh hi ken jeru and hampus ml and with the 1111, it's the lovely Chris Lia Lane. And now I'm back here with uh, Florence. Hi, Florence. Hi. So I read I read the Thrawn trilogy. I know. I'm so excited that you read it. And you liked it, too. Just for the listeners, the, the Thrawn trilogy is the set of Star Wars novels that were released, I guess, in the early 90s. So that was when they had no intention of making any more movies. They had done the original trilogy, and then they started commissioning novels to be written, and this was the first set of novels that follow all the original characters on further adventures and introduce the character of Grand Admiral Thrawn, who is cool, and also Mara Jade. And um, it was good because, I mean, I don't think I've said it officially on the show, but I will be, it's either this episode or the next episode, officially having a moratorium on talking about Star Wars The Last Jedi because the topic has become toxic <laughs> and unfortunately you are not allowed to have an opinion on this movie if it's negative because that means you're somehow some sort of bad person instead of uh, being able to discuss the actual merits of the film. So I've decided just to not talk about it anymore. But to remain positive, I decided to start immersing myself in the Star Wars expanded universe or the legends, whatever the hell they call it now, of like the original novels. Um, I listened to the audiobook where the dude is doing impressions of all the characters, and he did a great job, and it just it just felt like Star Wars to me. And I, I will say that I did actually watch uh, Last Jedi again, because 
they put it up on Netflix. And it's weird because as I watch it, I'm not sitting there going like, I hate this. I know I've given that impression that like I'll call the movie bad and stuff, but it's like it's not that it's not an entertaining film to watch while it's on. Mm-hmm. But I I liken it to the same way I felt with The Dark Knight Rises because when I saw Dark Knight Rises, I remember in the theater it was entertaining while it was on. The ending left me a little cold, and it was only upon reflection. Like when I think about The Dark Knight Rises, all I think about is all of the problems and how the story makes no sense.、Mm-hmm. And the more you think about it, the more it falls apart. And I feel like that's what Last Jedi is for me. It's like when it's on, I'm not sitting there yelling at the screen. But when you compare it to the other. Star Wars movies, and you try and fit it in with the other Star Wars movies, like that's when you get into problems. I get it. So it's weird because on one hand, it's like when I, when I think about the movie, I just think it's like the opposite of the prequels. So the prequels to me tick all the Star Wars boxes. Like I don't think George Lucas had like malice for the franchise, and he wanted to give the fans what he thought they wanted. And the Last Jedi is like the opposite. It's like we know what the fans want, so we're gonna check all the boxes and flip it on them, right? So say,、mm-hmm. oh, you you expect this, 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 and this. We're gonna do the opposite. Whereas George Lucas is like, oh, you like lightsabers? Well, fucking, there's a lightsaber fight every five minutes, and people are like, fucking, doing triple flips through the air and all this stuff. Oh, you like space battles? Like, well, why don't we、we'll、just start the movie? All these crazy space battles. We'll have four going on at the same time. Yeah, no, exactly. And so, and he's like, oh, you like Boba Fett? Fucking Jango Fett. Now we're gonna see this dude like use all the weapons. And fly around, and he still got the same ship. So with George, with George Lucas, like the prequels, it's like he was he was there going like, oh, the fans love this. I'm going to give them more. But just the actual technique of the filmmaking itself was the problem. Whereas this time, the movie's good, but then it just does all these things where you're like, why? And and then it also it's it's frustrating because I want to talk about the things I don't like, but then it all gets lumped into, oh, if you don't like it, you're you know you don't like progress. And all this stuff. I'm like, dude, those bombing ships. Like, I want to actually have a real discussion about the fucking validity of those bombing ships at the start of the movie、mm-hmm. that fly very, very slowly, have no defense, and if anything even touches them, they explode and then destroy every single ship that's near them. Like, they just don't make sense as a thing. Right. When I watch that opening scene, I'm just like, who designed these fucking ships? Like, how do they even make sense? And then the one that blows up, that takes out two others,、mm-hmm. it doesn't even get shot. It gets hit by the wing of a fucking <laughs> ship that blew up, and then the wing hits the bottom of it, which causes a chain reaction, which destroys that ship, which destroys the ship next to it, and then it, and it keeps on chaining and blowing up more of the rebel ships. <laughs> What a stupid fucking ship idea! Like, it just doesn't make sense. And like, and then it drops streams of bombs downwards. So it's like. If any of the bombs at the bottom of the link exploded, then it would send a chain reaction of explosions up the fucking stream of bombs and then blow up the ship that dropped them. It's the stupidest idea for a ship I've ever seen, and it really like affects my enjoyment of that sequence because I'm just like, what are these things? Like I don't even get them. So stupid. Do you want to listen to a song? You're not. You're not wrong, Andy. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Sorry. Let's do that. <laughs>、uh, let's listen to a track by Eurotics. From the album My Eyes, I think this is a new one. This track is called "Broken Hearts." In brackets, it says "remix," but I don't know because I, I didn't find like the original one. But maybe this is a a reworking of an older track. Who knows? This is "Broken Hearts" by Eurotics.
with the track Broken Hearts off the album My Eyes. And that was brought to you by my lovely Patreon supporters. In the $10 club, there's Fraser Davidson, Robert Wolf. That's a new one. Hey, Robert Wolf, you're a cool guy with a cool name. It's always cool when people have the last name Wolf. Maybe it's fake. I don't know. It seems real to me. Anyway, uh, Kemsen Games, Lucas Ceballos, Justin Armour, The Patch Bay, Blake Peterson, Martin Larby, Digital Dreams, Power Loader, Trevor Resnick, Polly Digital, and Elias Garnier. And I'm back here with Florence. Hi, Florence. Hi. And we're definitely not talking about The Last Jedi. Yes. No, we're done. (laughs) How'd you like uh, the Thrawn trilogy, Andy? I liked it a lot because it felt like Star Wars. Yes. And I liked all the classic characters going on adventures with each other. It's fun just having them interacting with characters that they didn't spend too much time with in the movies, like in the original trilogy. And uh, I really like the new characters. Like, I know, you know, with Last Jedi, people give a lot of the new characters flack and I think that's partly because some of them don't feel like Star Wars characters to me mm-hmm. but in the Thrawn trilogy all the new characters felt Star Warsy. like Talon Card I liked mm-hmm. I always love lovable rogue characters characters who are kind of shady but ultimately good yeah but still will do kind of shady stuff and I like how Talon Card like for the whole trilogy is always kind of like he's not really playing both sides like he's pretty clearly like he will help the good guys but he can't go too far because he doesn't want to upset Thrawn either mm-hmm and uh, Mara Jade was cool, and I like her little conflict. Mm-hmm. I liked the final showdown that happened with, uh, what's his face, fucking Sabayoth, where Luke has to fight like a clone of Luke. Oh, how did they pronounce it? Oh, I, like, I listened to the audiobook, and so it's because it's pronounced, like, they call him Sabayoth, Ju- Juris, Joris Sabayoth, or something like that. Right. And then when I went to look him up on the Wikipedia, mm-hmm. um, <sighs> the <laughs> I couldn't find him. Because I didn't realize it was spelled like C apostrophe. Like if I'd read it on the page. When I was reading it, I think it was Jaris Kaboth or something. Yeah. So the way that they pronounce it is Sabayoth. What? Mm, Jeruus Sabayoth. 
And there were some other names like that too. But I liked it. I liked the idea of there being those little, like little lizardy creatures that can sort of disable force powers. Like Ysalamiri. Little... Wait, how did they say those? Ysalamiri? Um, Isalamari. Oh, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, Isalamari. Oh my god, that's amazing. Thrawn would have, I guess they had like little cases they'd carry around like on their backs or something, so like people couldn't use the forest around them. And I like, I thought that was a fun thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Thrawn is a, he's a smart dude. Yeah, like, and I like the character of Thrawn, and like right now, if they really want to win back the fans, because obviously that movie divided people, and whether or not they want to admit it as a company, like they clearly did, whether or not mm-hmm. you like the movie or not, it's clearly caused a problem in the fandom and i would say an animated version of this trilogy would do it that would be awesome and i know they'll have to find sound alikes and stuff and they wouldn't have to change too much because i was thinking about this from the point of view of like script writing the books are short enough i know how this could be condensed into an hour and 45 minutes like i thought about it i'm like you could do it Mm -hmm. and if you still wanted it to fucking make sense with the new continuity of star wars Really, all you have to do is have Leia not have twins in it and just have one kid. Right. And that would be it. Because I think everything else could theoretically still have happened and it still works. Because Luke being sad and going to that island happened after he set up his little Jedi school. So theoretically, this trilogy could have happened and it wouldn't really affect, you know, anything in those new movies. Yeah. And since the babies don't really do anything in the Thrawn trilogy, it doesn't matter. Fuck, you could even rewrite it and just have her not be pregnant in the trilogy. I mean, but it's kind of in the story. Mm-hmm. Sabayoth does want the twins. Like, he keeps saying he wants the, the kids. Yeah, no, that that would be really awesome. And Thrawn is a character in the actual canon now because they brought him in Star Wars Rebels, which is the animated series on the Disney channel. Yeah, I watched some clips. They, they didn't really mess his character up too much. Like, he seemed like the same dude. Same, same dude. He's into artwork. Nothing really phases him. He's one step ahead of everyone else. Yeah, I liked his character. I thought he was cool, Mm -hmm. and it made sense. I liked the way that they expanded the fact that there were still these sort of bad guys, but it it didn't feel wrong. I I feel like with the new Star Wars movies, the New Order feels a little wrong, because you're wondering, like, how are they so big? Like, where did this come from? Like, where did the money or whatever come from for them to build a planet-sized weapon? Like, it just seems weird. Whereas in the Thrawn trilogy, it's like, you know, he just has his one ship and he's trying to rebuild by fucking doing all this sneaky stuff, like, Mm -hmm. in the background. And then they're after that fleet of hidden warships that were, like, lost and all this stuff. Like, it just, it makes sense to me. Yeah, yeah, I I understand. Well, hold on. Let's listen to a song and then we'll keep talking. Okay. We got a track by Nina. This was from her album Sleepwalking. I like Nina, she's cool, and uh, we're going to listen to this right now. Erasing a lifetime 
And that was Sleepwalking by Nina. And that was brought to you by my lovely Patreon supporters in the $10 Club. It's Murat, Playmaker Media. Hey, and if, hey guys, if Playmaker Media is still doing that thing, go to playmakermedia.net. He's giving away vinyls. I don't know if the contest is still going, but there's like a little treasure hunt you have to do. Look for the Beyond Synth link on the website if it's still going on. There's a fucking Lucaset vinyl he's giving away. I think the first prize is three vinyls. It's Lucaset, Alex, and uh, Bart Graft. So uh, don't forget to do that. And then there's Ashley Keegan, Greg Smith, fucking Slunks, Will Lowe, Winfield, and Colin Bennett. And uh, with the triple seven, it's the Rosconian and Skywolf and Hugh Jones with the 669. And I am back here with Florence. Uh, hi, Florence. Hey. So we're talking about Star Wars and the Thrawn trilogy. So an animated Thrawn trilogy would be cool. Mm-hmm. I would love it if they did it in that realistic CGI style. Yeah, really? I would like that. Like maybe not so much the the kind of chunky CGI of like the TV shows, but if they oh, like oh, oh, that's what you mean. Yeah. If they put a bit more money into it and like actually tried to make the characters look like the actors and stuff and like, do it real. Like I know there's that uncanny valley thing, but yeah, because with Clone Wars and especially Rebels, it's very kiddy. Mm-hmm. They're more like caricatures rather than characters. Rebels looked okay. Like I watched, I know I watched the first few episodes of Rebels, but then I've watched clips of later episodes and it looks like it got it gets more serious as it goes on, I guess. Oh, it gets pretty dark. And Clone Wars, the first, I think it's like the first two or three seasons of Clone Wars are just kind of like whatever. Mm-hmm. But there's a certain point where you're like, I'm not watching a kid show anymore. Like it gets super dark, super dark. The one thing I can't get over with Clone Wars, because I've only watched a few episodes, is that voice at the beginning of the show. Oh God, yeah, it's really cheesy. And I get what they're doing. Like I get it. But I don't like it. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, I hated that. They're on the planet of Naboo, and they're trying to find the trade, blah, blah, blah. And Yoda is... And I just was like, why is this here? Like, just get rid of this. Clone troopers unite as war rages across the galaxy. The Republic's clone army strives for victory against the evil forces of the Separatists. It's dumb. But, you know, it's for kids. <laughs> There's a Doctor Who connection with the... Uh, with Rebels, because uh, the best doctor, Tom Baker, he played a character in uh, Rebels. That's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, he played that fucking, like, there's like this giant ox-looking thing. Oh, um, fuck, what is it? Ben, what is... Bendu? Yeah, Bendu. That, that, I think that's right. Yeah, so he plays the voice of that character. Oh, cool. Okay. I think I knew that. That's a, that's some trivia for the nerds. Nice. But, yeah, so that, that's how I feel. I think that would be a nice thing for Star Wars fans to sort of get them back. I'd be into that. Yeah, I think it'd be fun. That is definitely something they can do. At least take a, a loved expanded universe or legend story and adapt it to the current canon. Like, that would be great. I thought it was just a cool story and I liked uh, the interplay with all the characters. I was thinking, too, when I was saying before about thinking about it, writing, like almost listening to the novels and going like, how would I adapt this in movie form? Mm-hmm. Like, the only thing I would do differently if I were, like, adapting the Thrawn trilogy for the big screen would be possibly shifting some characters around. Like, especially in the final battle. You know, kind of like how in Lord of the Rings, like, those movies, they expanded some characters, mm-hmm. like, giving Arwen more to do, for example. Yes, exactly. I have no problem with those changes, you know, where it's just like, yeah, whatever, like, you know, give her something to do. Lord of the Rings is a perfect example of a wonderfully adapted screenplay. The changes they make in Lord of the Rings, like, you can tell the things that they added in 
or change because they seem to have no bearing on the story. Like in the two towers, when the elves come to help them fight, and then like the Haldir of Lorien is there, and then like he gets killed. Right. Clearly, they just wanted a recognizable face to get a spear so that they could have like some kind of half-assed emotional moment. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, I get it. Like I understand that purists would be like, the elves never helped them fight. Like the whole point of that part of the book is that the humans like withstood the battle because of the fucking you know like the design of the tower or whatever but at the same time it's like yeah it's a superficial change that clearly means nothing because none of the elves lived so it's like the elves show up there so they can have their little dramatic the elves are helping the humans fight and then by the end of the scene every single elf is just not there anymore (laughs) except for legolas and so it's like you can tell that change was superficial it doesn't really weigh on the story and then it kind of goes away and no one ever talks about it again Mm -hmm. so i think like what i was thinking when i was reading the thrawn trilogy was the only thing i probably would have changed is at the end of the book all the good guys are in the chamber of sabayoth like everybody's there like lando and c-3po and chewie like they're on the planet like setting bombs on the things to like blow up the clone things <laughs> whatever they're called they have a weird name for them and then upstairs it's like leia and han talon card is there with his fucking vornsker things luke is fighting clone luke with mara and then Sabayoth is there and he's electrocuting everybody. <laughs> and then meanwhile, you know, Thrawn in his ship is just sort of, he's fighting like those random, well, I guess he's fighting, um, they're having a space battle with, uh, who, what's Wedge? Uh, Wedge is in the, what? Rogue Squadron. Yeah, Rogue Squadron. Right? So I guess Rogue Squadron's mm-hmm. there. But I think the one change I would make, I'd still have Thrawn be taken out the same way because it makes sense. But maybe I'd put one of the good guys on Thrawn's ship like just so there's there's a bit more of a connection to the heroes with what's going on with Thrawn because it's almost like he gets taken out and it really has nothing to do with what's going on with the evil Jedi because I mean like why he gets taken out makes sense but it's sort of like they're all fighting him and then it just so happens in the middle of this battle that they're starting to sort of lose and then he just gets taken out and I almost feel like it would have been nice to have one of one or two of the heroes on that ship so there's at least that sort of connection that maybe like you know, he's like torturing one of them during that scene and then he gets taken out. And so there's sort of a connection. Uh-huh. I don't know. That's my thought on that. Sure. <laughs> I'll buy it. Okay. I would watch that. Cool. I mean, I will. I'll watch that no matter what. Mm. So, yeah, that's what happens when you're a fan of something. Yeah. Still didn't watch Solo, did you? No. I am extremely curious to see how you like that movie. I'm sure it's fine. You saw it, right? Yeah, it's fine. Okay. That's, that's all I'm going to say. It's fine. I think it's it's sort of annoying at the way that they're interpreting its failure mm-hmm. because they're attributing it to reasons that don't make sense. Like, for some reason, there is a really an invested interest at Disney or Lucasfilm. It cannot be the fault of The Last Jedi. Like, in their eyes, it just can't be. It That is not the problem, right? Yeah. The problem is the world. The problem is the Star Wars fans. The problem is everything else except that movie (laughs) so it's really weird because like you see like yes solo didn't do well and it's like they're coming up with all these excuses and none of them are hey maybe people were mad about the other movie and they don't want to see your new movie because they're like oh it's star wars fatigue (laughs) people don't want to see so many star wars movies in a row i'm like okay well Mm -hmm. tell that to fucking marvel 
Because Marvel seems to just, like, every week put out a superhero movie that makes a billion dollars. Look, like Black Panther and then back-to-back with Infinity War, and both those movies made a ton of money. And they didn't fucking divide the fans, and they made everyone happy. <laughs> and so whenever people go like, oh, you can't make you can't make everybody happy, you know, fans, they don't know what they want. I'm like, well, I'm sure they were pretty happy with Black Panther and fucking Infinity War. I didn't really, you know, when you go on YouTube and type in Infinity War review, it's not literally like a stream of 200 angry people, uh, <laughs> yelling at the camera about the movie like pretty much people <laughs> enjoyed them and so those are examples of films that were critically accepted and also accepted by the fans and everybody kind of won sure <laughs> i agree <laughs> <laughs> you're a little low energy today tell me something that excites you <laughs> it's hot as balls here is that what's happening is, is the heat like weighing on you yeah, it's been consistently 100 degrees the past, uh, like over 100 the past few days. I think on Friday, at least here, it was 107. This is Fahrenheit, by the way. Yes. Well, 107 Celsius would mean our blood would be boiling. <laughs> like, so it, yeah. it's a different metric. Um, 107 Fahrenheit is 41 point six six six. Ooh, mark of the beast. Hey, you know what? That's a perfect way to let's thank the fucking Patreons who donate six dollars and sixty six cents. Play the jingle. This is the donation of the beast. Alright. These are all the people who donate 666 to go along with that 41 degrees, 41.666. It's Alexandro Samaras, Luke BTD, Ross Pentland, Moose Nux, Rob Dyson, Street Cleaner, Orlando, Rodriguez Nafe, Till Wild, Straylight, Carm, Love Machines from IX, and Renton Brax. All right, that's it. I just wanted to do that. <laughs> Hooray! Um, what's the humidity like where you live? Humidity doesn't affect me personally that much, but let's see. Let's see what the humidity is like right now. 40% humidity. That's like pretty high, I think, for here. Yeah, it's humid in Toronto. Yeah. So if it's like 40 degrees outside and there's humidity, it's like you, I can't even go outside. It's like a fucking oven. Yeah, because I grew up in New York and it's humid in New York. Um, but it's in LA, it's dry. It's basically the desert. So it's been sort of humid the past or more humid than it usually is the past few days. You can tell because usually in LA, if it's really hot outside, if you go into the shade, it's like a million times cooler. But if it's not, that means it's humid. That's like how I can gauge the humidity. <laughs> That's your natural humidex? Yes. That's what they call it. You know, the humidex? The... Yes. Do you want to listen to another song? Sure. What do you got? I got tracked by Corey Valentine. Uh, this one's called Red, Blue, and Green.
That was Red, Blue, and Green by Corey Valentine. That was brought to you by my lovely Patreon supporters. There's Polar Wildcat Studios with the 617 and then my lovely $5 Pattersons. There's Tim Brow with the 520. There's Mads, Baron Christensen, Sarah Buchelman, Kyle Droll, Pip Dig, Erasmus, Deep, Mikey C, David Andrews, the Englishman in Texas, Tomas Shimanek, Andrew Chukas, Rachel Buchelman, Sergio Matai, Binkley, and Sven Bomanis. And I'm back here with Florence. Yep. Haven't melted yet. Sven Bomanis sent me some pictures of some of the stuff they build because he works with Chris Dance. They work in a big shop where they, what's the word? I don't want to use the word manufacture, but they build things out of metal. Oh. So he was sending me all these crazy things. Like they make like metal furniture and they also do like staircases and like railings and custom metal design things and stuff. And so he just sent me a bunch of photos. Ooh, that's cool. Yeah. I like when people can build things because I'm fucking shitty at it. Well, look, it's been fun catching up. I feel like I've been talking most of the time. So the floor is yours. I want you to say some things. I went to one of those like hipster juice places. And I got this juice for 10 fucking dollars, American dollars. It's like $30 Canadian. It's a pretty big glass of it. And the glass is really nice. It's like an actual glass thing, which I'm going to reuse. It's this like special cold pressed juice. And the one that I got is like pineapple juice and apple juice and has like a bunch of ginger. And I think it has like turmeric and cayenne pepper in it. Eh. And uh, hipsters. Yeah, those fucking hipsters, man. <laughs> kind of spicy. It's like spicy because of the ginger. I'm okay with that. So does this get like a thumbs up or a thumbs down? Thumbs up. I don't know. Maybe I'm just trying to persuade myself that it's great because it was 10 fucking dollars. Can you use those same persuasion tricks on yourself? Maybe. Is it wrong to refer to them as tricks? You can refer to them as tricks or techniques. Mm. I don't think it works as well on yourself. That's too bad. Well, listen, what's going on? What's coming up? I'm going to try and finish some songs so I can get an EP out one of these days. Do you have any sort of projected date? If everything went correctly, maybe like end of August, beginning of September. Okay. Something's happening, but we'll see. Do you like men who wear top hats? Why did you ask me that? Trying to energize this conversation, I, I feel like if I just ask you the weirdest random question, it's gonna. <laughs> See, I'm more interested in why you asked that particular question. Because I have I have this impression of you that there's some goth in you. Yeah. And so I want I want to know if you're as happy with the man version of that. And the man version of goths to me have top hats. Really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do I don't know. I've I've met quite a few goths and most of them do not wear top hats. Mm. I do know one guy who wears a top hat who was a goth. How do you feel about that guy? He's he's fine. He's a vampire guy. <laughs> he makes people vampire fangs. What do you mean? You go to him and he'll like take impressions of your teeth and he'll um make you vampire fangs. Oh, like he's not like shaving people's teeth. God no. <laughs> No, he gives you, like, little, like, teeth inserts. I guess you can't really shave down to a vampire fang. That wouldn't make any sense, because you need more tooth. Yeah, you're probably right. Do you think you could get permanent vampire implants? 
Sure you could. Um, yeah, because I, I don't know. I have a fake tooth in my mouth. Is it a vampire tooth? It's not a vampire tooth. But maybe if you like paid a little extra money, you could get a custom made. Well, I mean, like uh, most fake teeth are custom made, but you can tell somebody to make you a vampire fang. What if you met a guy and you really liked him and then he shows up for the date and he has a cape? Well, it depends on the situation. The situation is he's come to the date and he's wearing a cape. <laughs> so, like, you said, hey, I'll meet you at Arby's. <laughs> no, what's a, what's a nice restaurant? Arby's is clearly not, but, like, <laughs> what's, like, a chain restaurant that's, like, nice where they make steaks? What? Well, I don't know, because the restaurants are different in the States sometimes. Like, you know, like a chain, like a restaurant chain. Like, you're a not going to... chain restaurant. I don't think of any chain restaurants as actual nice restaurants. All right, okay. So you go down the street... Outback and, Steakhouse. Okay, so there you say, you go. we're going to go to Outback Steakhouse. <laughs> it was nice meeting you, fucking Clarence, or whatever his name is. And he's like, oh, can I get your number? Or we should go out sometime. And you text back and forth a few times over a week. And then you decide on Saturday night, we're going to Outback Steakhouse. You're waiting outside the place. You don't want to do some awkward people picking people up thing. I'll meet you there. Smart. So you're out front and the guy shows up and he has a cape. I mean, I don't think it would be a make-or-break situation. Okay. What, is he wearing, like, t-shirt and jeans underneath, or is he wearing, like, the full get-up? What if he actually showed up dressed like Grandpa Munster from, like, the Munsters? Like, so he's got the cape, (laughs) but he has, like, the full-on, like, kind of cartoon Dracula outfit with, like, like, the white shirt and the... Yeah, I might be a little weirded out. You'd still have the steak? Would you still go and eat? Yeah, I probably would. I like steak. Can this be our new thing where I pose weird questions to you and put you on the spot? Sure, Andy. Okay. <laughs> but I really want to I really want to talk about wrestling with you one day. No, we'll do it. Which is going to happen because we're going to we're going to watch Glow. Yes. And then we're going to talk about wrestling. Well, how about next time you come on, let's just officially announce it so that we can um, cuz I've seen Glow season 1. Mm-hmm. Season 2 is out now. It came out like last week and so um, we'll watch season 2 and then maybe we'll do our thoughts on the series as a whole, you know, series one and two. Because I enjoyed Glow. I think it's a good show. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll do that. But uh, yeah, you can ask me random questions. That's fine. Know. It makes me laugh. I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I feel like, you know, these times where I go, oh, it's, it's so nice to catch up with people. And then like I go back and listen to the show, like when I'm editing it. And I'm like, huh, I talked for all of that. <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like that's what today was. It's like sort of Andy catches up with Florence and what that means is that Florence listens to Andy say some of the same stuff he said before. <laughs> Specifically, Florence listens to Andy talk about The Last Jedi. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm officially putting a moratorium on it, man. Just like the fucking N64 game one, there will be an official Last Jedi one. All right. And that'll be that. And that will that will promote new and fresh conversation. Like, what would you do if a date showed up with a cape? all the important questions though seriously that's a that's a good one it definitely depends on the situation but i don't think i would necessarily think it's a red flag at first i would definitely go on the date because i i want to know why that guy is wearing the cape well i'll say this i'm not a lady but i think the red flag is most definitely a red flag i think the cape is most definitely a red flag but because i'm a polite person i would still have the dinner yeah but the whole time i'd be like 
dude's got a cape and like I would pro- and if someone texted me like how's the date going like I would just send like a cape emoji like to MS- <laughs> and just go like why'd you send me that and just like you'll find out later and then it's just like and that would be the first thing I'd say oh yeah how was the date he had a cape <laughs> And then the person would be like, what, really? I'm like, yeah, he was wearing a cape. And they'd be like, what do you mean he was wearing a cape? And then you'd explain the whole thing. And Yeah, I mean, that would definitely be the most noticeable thing at first, for sure. So I'm about on the same page. Right. <laughs> well, it was nice talking to you, Florence. Yeah, nice talking to you, too. Andy. I'm going to go back and... I'll watch some movies because I haven't had time to watch any movies or TV shows. Yes. Well, so we so we missed a perfect part of your life. For the six weeks that we haven't talked to you, we technically didn't miss anything because you were busy in school. Oh, yeah. It was great. I didn't have time. So if I was to miss any part of your life, that was a perfect part to miss. Yeah. I was really stoked that you're like, yeah, I'm taking a break for two weeks. I'm like, oh, this is great timing. Everything worked out in the end. And now I can now I can record more stuff because well, I got a break from school for a whole month and a half. Well, go go make some Glitbiter tracks, man. I will. I hope. Well, I hope too, man, and then we'll play some on the show. I mean, I've heard some secret tracks that I'm not allowed to play, but, you know. Yeah, maybe maybe some of those will surface soon. Ooh, that's exciting. Yeah. All right, man. Well, listen, always nice catching up with Florence. Great catching up with you, Andy. And that was my chat with Florence. It's always nice to catch up with Florence. And that segment was brought to you by my lovely $5 Pattersons. There's Christopher Albert, Daniel Dexia, Star Nomad, Michelle Vasquez, Tim Ross, Neon Knox, Damian Rudies, Lee McConnell, Zychorax, Marco Crane and Don, Corey Valentine, and Timothy Pierce. You guys are all awesome. So how about this? Let's listen to another song, and then we'll go chat with Color Theory. So what do I got in the hopper? So here's a cool one. I feel like if I played this song before, I'm looking at the list that Fraser made me, and I haven't found this track, because I feel like I found this artist like years ago, and then I intended to... Anyway, whatever. Uh, It's a track by uh, Adriel from her album The Waiting Room, and this was a track called The Shoreline. But 
And that was The Shoreline by Adriel from the album The Waiting Room. And I dig that one. And of course, if uh, you want to check out all any of the artists who are featured on Beyond Synth, go to the SoundCloud or the YouTube, wherever you're listening to this, and just click on the More Info button, and you'll see I post all the links to all the artists so you can check out their stuff. Or you can always check the uh, Synthwave Artist database as well, because that is also a useful resource to find things. And uh, that was brought to you by my lovely $5 Patterson's. There's Starlight Fisher, Barons of Santa Carla, Tristan Waits, Dana Jean Phoenix, Stu M, Night Raptor, Simon Norberg, Matthew Lister, Bobby B, Roman, Joe and Lando, Gus Velasek, and Kai. Thank you all for supporting Beyond Synth. Uh, like I said, if you want to help support the show, go to patreon.com slash beyondsynth or beyondsynth.com and click on the donate button. And now, my friends, let us go chat with Color Theory. All right. Well, I'm here with Color Theory. How's it going, man? Going great. Thank you for having me. AKA Brian Hazard. Is that correct? That is indeed correct. Now, we got to talk about that first before we go any further. Uh, so that's a real last name someone can have? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, I think it sounds kind of cool now. And I think that's the consensus these days. But when I grew up, you may or may not remember a show called The Dukes of Hazard. Mm-hmm. So I would get teased all the time. And, oh, Dukes, hey, Dukes. And my not so witty retort was, oh, well, Dukes of Hazard has two Zs and uh, and mine has one. So obviously that, that can't be me. So <laughs> And then did you? You get the shit kicked out of you. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't that. I mean, we're we're in a civilized society here, but uh, you know, I just just verbally. I don't know if the, that always works so well when there's like a bully like doing a thing, and then your retort is to like push your glasses on your face and be like, "Well, actually, the Z is that uh, you know." That's right. Well, in Canada, we say Z. So that's still not bad. Dude. Like Dukes. I mean, like there's there's worse things. But Hazard is a cool last name. Yeah, I thought so. I guess there's some uh, rich oil baron or some successful businessman uh, named that hazards in uh in san diego and so sometimes people ask me if i'm related to the uh, the hazards of san diego who i've i've never met so there's there's some local prestige around the name do you just assume that you're not related or maybe you are distantly no 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 i think i can safely say because uh i was born in toledo ohio and we went out there not that long ago and my aunt had this whole like genealogy thing that she had printed out i mean it was it wasn't from one of those this is before those websites or maybe they don't have the internet in ohio but yeah it was all printed out and hand-drawn that showed us coming from england 
So there was no San Diego in there. So I feel pretty good about it. That's too bad. See, because I'm looking for a rich oil baron to be a uh, angel investor of Beyond Synth. That's that's what I'm banking on right now. Continuing to be a terrible businessman, and at some point, an angel investor shows up, and for some reason, I always assume them to be oil barons of some kind. Sure. Well, I mean, the closest I can do is that you know I live for many years next to a vacant lot that had an oil well. <laughs> Yeah. Well, all right. Well, that's close, I guess. People can just like send me buckets of oil, but like. Yeah. Well, you can actually hear it on some of my earlier releases. I mean, it depends on the time of day, but sometimes it would squeak, and I didn't really have any any other place to record. So. Wait. Sorry. Like you lived next to one of those things that was like dipping in and pulling the oil out of the ground. Yeah. So you'd think you know Huntington Beach. I was in downtown, and real estate was pretty steep. I mean, it's like a tourist destination, and it was really close to the beach. I mean, it was like two blocks, and yes, where they could put a full house that would sell for you know over a million dollars there was a single oil well that would just dip up and down just just like you imagine and make the squeak and it was kind of i mean it was nice not to be packed in because it's already so packed in downtown but occasionally it was very annoying and it did squeak and keep me up did it smell like oil all the time <sighs> oh boy there there are a lot of smells in downtown huntington beach um <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it was probably one of those smells mixed in, but no, it wasn't yeah. wasn't bad. You know, most of the time you have a an offshore breeze, and so you, you get the ocean. Like, I don't know if you ever, this is random, but um, Beverly Hills 90210. I remember the episode where um, the Santa Ana winds come in. I don't know if you're familiar with that. So when the winds come in from inland and blow towards the ocean, we call it the Santa Anas, and it gets really hot. The idea, I've never heard of this outside of Beverly Hills 90210, is that everybody gets super horny because it's hot and that was all the <laughs> glances with all the characters and luke and I, luke is that the right show brandon yeah Bra- um, brandon luke perry played uh, dylan right but it wasn't luke and brandon i don't want to i'm not judging but that that wasn't where i was going with that so anyway you, most of the time the breeze comes in off the ocean blows those smells away brings our temperature down it's just a, a great place to live I remember the episode of 90210 when Brian Austin Green's best friend was like uh, spinning around a handgun and then shot himself at a party. That's the main one I remember because like that was like their serious episode. Yeah. Because he's like playing with a gun and, and it's just like, hey man, what'd you bring that to the party for? And his friend all went weird and had like a cowboy hat. I think he was only in like the first season. Like all the rest of the cast were all like attractive people and then there was like this goofy guy that they had in there that uh, ended up blowing himself away. I don't remember that one, but I get it all. It's all mixed up in my head. I, I remember Melrose Place too. I was watching that and that had maybe not the characters some of the actors and so it, it's all a, a jumble for me but what a timely message don't shoot yourself in the face yeah <laughs> I, I don't even think it, it happened correctly it was like you see the gun spinning in slow motion and it like fired but it almost looked like it fired the wrong way but i haven't seen it in a while my wife was like going through all the 90210s and so i caught a few of them because i never really watched it when it was on yeah Probably for the best, yeah. <laughs> wasn't my kind of show, but uh, <laughs> but it's funny now looking back as a piece of history. Since Google bought YouTube, I wonder if it's so sophisticated you could like Google, you know, 90210 shot in face and, and it would just boom, it's like right there. And you... Oh, of course it will be. Hold on. Well, <laughs> not that I can play it right now, but anyway, the point was they were at a party and his friend was, it, it just it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> don't discount yourself so easily. I mean, maybe it does. I don't know. Yeah. No, 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 no. I... <laughs> 
That's my main uh, character trait is discounting everything I say almost immediately as it comes out of my mouth. That's why I'm always laughing all the time is because I actually don't plan what I'm going to say. And so I can actually make myself laugh because I'll say things that haven't been, I guess, processed by the brain yet. And so like sometimes I'll just say jokes where like it just comes out and then I catch myself off guard with the thing that I just said. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and I, I admire that about, about you and the show. <laughs> and you can kind of trip yourself up because I don't know what I'm going to say next. I mean, as I'm saying this right now, this sentence is a revelation to me. And so, <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it is. It's not like you sit there and pre-plan it. So I totally understand the phenomenon and you can, and that's how you can laugh when you say the wrong thing and you, there can be such a thing as I meant to say this, but you clearly didn't say this and you said that and that's why it's funny. Maybe it's just also a sign of craziness. I mean, there's that. Well, how about this, man? Let's fucking start diving into the music and then we'll talk about it and stuff. So here's a track that I dug. It's called A Work in Progress from the album Adjustments and uh, it's by Color Theory. It's a little pretentious, but humor me, try not to laugh. I'll fix it in a second, in the second draft. Like a promise from a lifelong friend, the process has a beginning, but no clear end. This isn't math. It's hard enough to collect my thoughts with all the rules of behavior, the shits and odds that got
better to ask for forgiveness than permission. Better when faced with a proposition. Start with yes. There will be time to question, time to second guess. Sometimes the mind has to disengage. Your fear will rattle the bars of your mental cage and stage your death. And that was a work in progress by Color Theory, and I'm here with Color Theory right now, Mr. Hazard. Do people call you Mr. Hazard? Did they call you that when you? Uh... Oh, never mind. We were talking about that off air. Sorry. <laughs> I was going to say when you went to your daughter's uh, school for the school meeting. Oh, exactly. No, that's what I was going to say. I mean, yeah, I think I'm I'm Mr. You know, Hazard in the in the context of of being a parent, and I don't have a real job, so that's a about it i mean where else would they i mean the bank but you know i just go to the atm so (laughs) they need to get that atm talking with like some uh some voice synthesizer so yeah show a little respect i mean come on (laughs) good day mr hazard (laughs) so you've been making music for a long time yeah i don't know if that was a question or a statement but i stumbled uh and i just realized now i'm not even the first person to have this story because i went on your youtube and someone had the same comment that i'm gonna say now is that back Back in the days of LimeWire and Kazaa, when I was downloading Depeche Mode music, and I believe at that time you had to download like a track at a time. Yeah. And even though I had CDs, like Depeche Mode is like my favorite band, so like I I had a lot of stuff, but it was this exciting time of like going on Kazaa and finding like, hey, there's some weird B-side I never heard of because I could only buy what was in the store, right? So there would always be these surprises. And then right around the time of uh, Exciter, there was like some places where you could download like weird almost uh, demos of the tracks for that album which actually kind of annoyed me because I remember the demo of one of the songs I liked better than the final album version can't remember which one it was I'm not too fond of that album but anyway it's not the highlight for sure no but anyway so it was around that time downloading stuff off Kazaa and then there was this track called Ponytail Girl, which was labeled Depeche Mode, which was not Depeche Mode. It was you. Right. And and actually, I think on YouTube, that's what I call the video is not Depeche Mode. That was a wild time. So yeah, it was mostly on Napster. There were a whole lot before Exciter came out. There were a ton of tracks that were labeled Depeche Mode B-side. Um, there was another track by a band called Joy Machine. Mm-hmm. And I think my track and that Joy Machine track, you know, after a while, you know, the tracks that clearly are mislabeled would kind of weed themselves out because people would pull them off their drives and they wouldn't be um, traded anymore. Mm -hmm. But for my track and the Joy Machine track to a a lesser degree, I think people were convinced that it was that I was Martin Gore. Mm -hmm. Ponytail Girl later came out on an album, Life's Fairy Tale. But before that, I'd had this um, little Christmas bonus CD thing that I had as a special for people who bought, you know, albums from my website. I sent them a little handmade CDR and it had that track on it. So it had to have come from that. Yeah, but somebody just put it up and I actually went, okay, so in the long run now looking back at things like to to put this in perspective, I mean, it was in the FAQ on DepecheMode.com, like his Ponytail Girl, a Depeche Mode song. Right. <laughs> it was on all these compilation CDs, these bootleg CDs that have live tracks and different unreleased tracks. I mean, still, I think to this day, you can find those. So I think in the long run, I mean, it kind of helped for visibility. I mean, it makes me look like a totally derivative act, but <laughs> it got my name out there. But in the short term, I was panicked. I was like, no, no, you don't like this is wrong. And I actually went on Napster. You can message 
people individually. And I would say like, no, 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 this is not Depeche Mode. This is actually my track, Color Theory, I swear. And I remember one guy messaged back. He goes, no, I know for a fact that is Martin Gore singing. And it's like, that was that. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> they told me she came just for me. And now I see that they were You know, I did that whole Depeche Mode tribute CD between that and then I had a cover of I Want You Now that I did for this. I was asked to do for another compilation. That compilation fell through. So now I had I Want You Now and I had my track that everybody thought was Depeche Mode. And so I just figured, screw it. I'm going to make a Depeche Mode cover album and that was by far my most popular album for a long time you can also tell too by the comments because i was reading some of the comments and of how knowledgeable people are of just the depeche mode itself because like you know people be like oh i mean this kind of sounds like dave gone you know like in the comments and like they listen to depeche mode but they don't fully understand that there are these these tracks that just martin sings on and he has a very different voice than dave does i mean when i heard it like ponytail girl i mean yeah like where it's being labeled depeche mode and i'm like all right this something like it kind of does <laughs> you know like there was something there because I, I like Martin Gore's music and he's released some solo stuff and I think it has more in common with that stuff than it does with Depeche Mode because even when Depeche Mode you know every album has like a Martin Gore song you know where he solo sings and, and they're often kind of ballads and stuff and oftentimes I, I always like that song like that track on every album like I always like the Martin Gore one a lot I mean uh, most albums it was two back in the day and those were my absolute favorites and I would just skip straight to them if I knew which ones they were when the first time I heard the album. Yeah, no, they're good. Like, I like it. But he still keeps a certain weirdness in check. When I listen to your music and I go, this reminds me of Martin Gore stuff, it's more to do with the solo stuff. Because I think that's where it's a certain weirdness comes out. And I know with your music, I'm trying to word this in a way that <laughs> that doesn't say my music is weird. Well no, well, no, because like, because I like your music, but you you make these sort of bold decisions. You're you are bold, so I'm trying to word this in a way that. <laughs> Because I need to couch this in the fact that I like what you make. <laughs> because because any way I start to describe, it's going to sound like maybe I don't, but I do. It's just that with a lot of the music I listen to, especially in the synthwave scene and stuff, a lot of it is people trying to be cool. <laughs> and so, you know, there's certain sounds they use. There's certain types of tempos and beats. And when they sing lyrics, they can often be, uh, what's the word? Like, they play it safe. You know, like, you know, you sing about simple things. You don't get too in detail. You know, the night and the rain and the neon and whatever and like just stick to that stuff because it, it sort of can like fade into the background whereas you make these sort of bold decisions lyrically you have a lot of words in your songs they often conjure very specific images sometimes of like day-to-day -day life and things that can be very specific at times and also you will sometimes choose weird instruments and strange sounds upon first listening i'll be like okay that's interesting and it grows on me but at first i'm always like okay that was an interesting choice but then it sort of works in the context of the thing yeah does that make sense i love all that i take that as a compliment yeah you know the concrete 
imagery. The thing is, a good lyric, I think you have to be able to visualize something in your head. And you can't visualize all these abstractions. And even the fake lyrics you sang about the neon thing in the drive. The thing is, for the synthwave, I mean, sure, there's some concrete imagery. But after you hear it so much that it becomes cliche, it loses its, you know, it's no longer tangible. And so, yeah, I think you need to have concrete things that you can visualize. And, and that's that's how you can really wrap your fingers around a song. So, yeah, I definitely do that. Yeah. Well, let's listen to another one. This is another one from Adjustments, which I dug. This is called What You Said by Color Theory. Shame you said what you said.
And that was What You Said by Color Theory. And I'm here with Color Theory right now, Mr. Hazard. What I find with your music, and I've been trying to figure it out, <laughs> because there's a certain tempo. For some reason, I, I have this need to like analyze and figure out what's going on with your stuff. I don't know why, but I, I listen to it. I'm like, what's going on here? Because there's something different going on here. And I'm thinking like, okay, well, there's, there's a lot of words. You know, often the songs have a lot of words. Often you have this way of singing where you will um, fit a lot of words into a small space. Yeah. Which it seems characteristic of you. Like, I don't think there's any other artists I listen to that do that. Since I don't perform, I don't I don't have to worry about being able to pull that off in a live situation. Yeah. <laughs> well, it makes sense. Because, like, I'll listen to them and be like, oh, because a lot of times I'm listening to music where the chorus is often fucking three-word thing, you know, where it's just, love tonight, and like that's it. And, like, that's the chorus. And then, and then I'll... I'll listen to like a color theory track and they'll be like which you know like and there's all these words going on i'm wondering even how you even sing it are you like chopping yourself up sometimes can you really memorize that like when it's going like up and down and all over the place and there's like little the way you break up the words like by their syllables and like sing one higher and then one comes down and- it is tough so everything i think when i start is singable by a good singer which i am not and so you know what i'll do is i'll sing a phrase you know blah 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 and then I'll take a breath and then I'll stop and record the next phrase. I just have to make sure I do that breath before the next phrase, even though I don't need it, if that made sense. So there'll just be too much for me to fit in a breath. And so, yeah, I do maybe record in small bits and put it together, but only after I've failed enough times trying to do it the right way. (laughs) Do you write the songs as like poetry before you actually start working on the music? I mean, like, why do so many words seem to come out of you? I think... I think at this point in time, I am going to go back to writing at the piano first. These days, though, most of the stuff that you would play now, I started like with a production. But I think the reason that happens is because when I'm figuring out vocal melodies, I'm at the keyboard and my fingers are a lot more expressive than than my vocal cords. And so I think that's kind of what happens. There's a connection between my fingers and my brain. And when I'm writing those words, it just, you know, it all makes sense. And, and whether or not it's singable, yeah, that, that can get tricky. And sometimes, you know, the note can be singable like just poking them out on the piano you could come up with a bunch of different lines that would totally work but then the words that I chose you know like one word ends with an S and then the next starts with an F and it's S and like there's all these weird consonants that jam together and maybe maybe I shouldn't have chose those words but at least at the piano it was doable so anyway I I think it's because I'm poking out the melody at the piano you know if I didn't have that piano background and I were just left to come up with melodies you know if somebody just gave me an instrument track and and I was improving um, with no keyboard I'm sure it would be you know the tonight and that would be it <laughs> that's the key word by the way I, well right everything is happening right now in the dark at night as I drive on this road well also the thing is tonight whenever I would make joke music I found that to get into like the new wave voice like the headspace tonight is like the key word as long as the sentence ends with tonight all of a sudden it's like oh there we go found it <laughs> and I start thinking back and there's like so many songs I love where it's this tonight and and also too whenever I sing I do like a joke Dave Gone voice and then I auto-tune the shit out of it but tonight seems to be like a, a focal point super word well for every yeah every other Depeche Mode song has tonight in it if not in the title in the yeah in yeah. the lyrics <laughs> although my favorite go-to lyric which is weird because like my favorite Depeche Mode stuff is like the earlier stuff but I still like some of the new stuff but uh, my favorite go-to is uh 
I'm gonna take my time. Like anytime I'm in an echoey room or anything, like that's the first thing that comes out of my mouth. You do that really, really well. I remember I don't go to concerts much at all because I got I got to save my hearing. But um, earplugs, buddy. Even that. <laughs> anyway, long story there. But the last time I saw Depeche, he did not reach those notes that you just just reached and so it well was, that's an it easy was, one to reach i mean like i can't do anything else i can just do <laughs> i could take my time and that's it everything else is yeah irrelevant <laughs> but the other thing when i listen to your stuff and for some reason i keep on trying to go like what is this guy doing again i don't know what it is <laughs> I don't, I don't often get this in depth with people's music because oftentimes I'm just like, hey, that was a cool track. Let's talk about video games. Because you've been doing it for a long time. You have this certain style and you have this certain tempo of the songs. You have this sort of kind of lyrical style to it. And so when I listen to it, I'm like, there's something going on here. And I've been trying to figure it out. This is what I've come up with. And I don't know if you've ever thought of your music this way. No, this is really helpful, actually. But I feel like you are writing a giant musical about some sort of introspective, like, solitary dude. He's going through the everyday struggles of life. He's slightly melancholic. As time moves on, I think that's, like, the source of his melancholy. But he's ultimately a romantic, and this is just a big musical, and all this stuff fits together. And the lyrics, right, when they can be so, like, explicit about, like, certain things, that immediately conjures in me musical. And since the songs have so many words, I picture, like, a guy on stage singing this stuff on a set like swinging around lampposts and shit yeah 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 no that's that's great i mean that sounds like my bio i mean not just in my music that sounds like yeah you described me and i think the fact that i use vibrato uh in my singing sometimes probably adds to that musical theater quality and i've i've really struggled with that because you know like martin gore lately or andy bell of erasure the vibrato can be really wide and and um and even distracting and for some people it's a turnoff so finding the right balance there has been tricky but yeah i know i i agree and i i kind of like that dude there's a fucking musical here <laughs> there's a musical here and the bookend is the track for good you play that song at the beginning and then at the end when he finally like ends up with the girl you play that song again and then the song has like a different meaning because he's like like at the beginning that's him saying like i'm here for good but then she he doesn't believe him and then it goes on with the story blah 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 and then the end of the movie he's there for good and then the song has like the meaning but it bookends the story boom yeah. fucking color theory the musical no i like that and that's you know i gotta say just to get a little more meta uh step back a bit but is that that's what i really appreciate is that you know i heard that you played for good you know a few weeks ago and i just that just makes me feel great that's so fantastic to have you go back almost 20 years and play that song and still have that fit into a broader context because that's kind of what i'm looking to do now so many of the people that were making music back when i started aren't making music anymore Mm -hmm. and i mean for me it's like i've long since like i never wanted to be famous or anything like that i've even given up having like a a much bigger audience or anything like that and still being kind of anonymous but it's really about kind of building this whole lifelong story you know with my body of work that makes sense and builds on each other and so having you you know call back to a track like that kind of makes me feel good because it you know it's like you kind of understand that or at least it gives the impression that maybe that is part of a larger story that's still you know working very hard towards writing well it's a good track we're gonna listen to it now it was my favorite one on that album this is for good by color theory
Your jaw is clenched, preparing for the worst. The pessimist is always on alert. Your life has had its share of tragedy. Standing guard takes too much energy. Forget about abandonment. Forget your childhood. Count on me, cause I am here for good. Childhood.
that was Color Theory with the track For Good. And I'm here with Color Theory right now, Mr. Hazard. Mr. Hazard. So anyway, that's a good one. A good one. That was a weird intonation. Uh, (laughs) From the album Perfect Cheers. Perfect Cheers, I just... Fuck me. Okay, give me a sec. (laughs) (laughs) So that song is really that old? Yeah, well, let's see. Perfect Cheers came out in 1999. And I was working as an accompanist for a high school vocal program. A what? Yeah. No, I was an accompanist. So oh, I accompanist. Okay. Yeah. So I played piano. There was five or six choirs a day. And yeah, there was a local church that let me use their piano. And that's what I used for the whole album. I did all the piano in like a day between their uh, sessions. What do you call them at, at church when you have the... <laughs> I can't step foot in a church without getting set on fire. So now, now I'm going to get myself in trouble. I, I went, I willingly went and was excited to go last weekend for my uh, niece and nephew's first communion. Mm. Yeah. But I haven't been there for a while before that. Well, on the cover of Perfect tears is that you that is me yep see that confused the shit out of me because like i didn't realize it was so old so when i was listening to it and i looked in this thing and i maybe i was like having a different interpretation of your personal life and i'm like well that's not him in the bed because you don't have hair oh i had i had yeah no i I sure did (laughs) there was some quality hair there I'm so used to seeing that picture of you with the speaker, like pointing to the side or whatever, like the Brian Hazard picture with the, the megaphone or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I could grow hair now if I wanted, but it would be like where you have the hole in the back. And to me, that's just false advertising. You know what I mean? If I'm going to walk around and look at you and I've got all this hair and then you get behind me and I don't have hair. <laughs> false advertising. <laughs> yeah. I don't need to, to lay that surprise or like, you know, I wear a hat and then you're going to feel guilty. You know, I, I don't I don't need all that. So I don't know what I'm going to do when that happens to me because it's receding i i don't know that i'm gonna be able to pull it off like i'm so used to just looking like the way i do and i think like once my hair goes away like i don't know that i'm going to be a good bald guy so i don't know what kind of hats i'm gonna wear maybe i'll wear like a big wide brim fedora or something i've been thinking about it yeah you can always do the uh the fisherman the blue little what do you call it the little snow cap thing because that will kind of go to you know what people say i think they say this to anyone that has short hair mark my words if hopefully it never comes to this for you but when you start cutting it short that they all go oh man at least you have a good head man at least your head's a good shape you know because yeah. i can never <laughs> seriously everybody says that you hear that so much yeah i don't know maybe what i'll do is i'll wear a hat but it'll have like attached to it like sideburns so like <laughs> so like when i wear the hat like it looks like i have sideburns coming down but it's just stapled into the side of the hat false advertising you, you do it. Yeah, well, whatever. As long as I keep the hat on at all times. Maybe I'll just glue the hat to my head. You know, some people, like, have wigs that they glue to their heads. Well, your, your hair looks pretty robust to me. Mm. I don't... I don't. That's a trick of the light. <laughs> You're doing well so far. You're way ahead of where I was, so... Well, see, I got paranoid. Uh, like, you know those things where I'll see a, when I'll talk about women's beauty standards and go like, oh, you know, women see these, these things on the covers and it makes them self-conscious and it makes them buy more of these beauty products and stuff. And I'm like... How can they be so stupid? And then the second I started seeing my hair thinning, all of a sudden I'm like subconsciously find myself looking at hair thickening products and like there's these stupid powders and things you can sprinkle on your head. And I'm just looking at all these going like, oh, I get it now. So like as soon as 
like when I start to feel a little bit of shame about my appearance and all of a sudden I'm looking at all these like dumb products that I know are going to be just as ineffectual as all the other stuff. The shampoo that gives you more volume. And- you know what's funny about that is I never, for some reason, my best friend when I was younger, it stuck with me. He said, you're going to be bald by the time you're 24. And I don't know why he said that. It, <laughs> is he a wizard? Well, apparently, yeah, but it stuck. Well, I wasn't. I mean, I made it, it was a, it's been a few years. So even from back then, I think we, we at least in our heads, had the Bruce Willis model. Mm-hmm. He's a cool guy and back then and you know (laughs) his hair looks cool and he just cut it short and he's still like can star in these action movies and stuff and so I always knew that was the plan so I never really looked into alternatives but interestingly my dad he's going on 80 he started with the the Rogaine the Minoxidil stuff and, and I didn't even know that would work when you're that like I don't care now and I definitely won't care when I'm 80 but he just tried it out and it actually works on him um he grew more hair and i mean it's not he's not up to andy levels but it's (laughs) but i think it only works for a number of years and then it stops working so i think you gotta pick your uh, if you're gonna do that you gotta you gotta decide when you're gonna do it yeah no i'm uh I'm just going to play the waiting game, but maybe I'll get a bunch of fun wigs or something. Sure. But you can't really find good man wigs. I make a lot of like silly short films and whenever I would go to like wig shops, like they've got great female wigs. And then the second it comes to guy wigs, they're all like those ones you buy for like $10 at the Halloween shop. It's like they just don't have the same level of quality that the female wigs have. I would think they'd be like unisex wigs. Well, maybe I'm just an old fashioned guy. But when I see like a long hair wig on like a female mannequin head, I just go like, that's a lady wig. I mean, like, obviously, if you're a man, you can still just put one on. And it's just a man with long hair. But uh, the metal wig. Yeah, yeah. But to me, those people are filthy hippies. Right. You know, the, the kind that you, uh, you know, you got to beat up and stuff. And so, uh, you know, I don't appreciate it really. Yeah. You got to draw the line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, man. So we, yeah, we talked a lot about the music then. So what do you do in your spare time, man? What does Brian Hazard do for fun? You know, I, I'm kind of redefining the concept of fun. Is this where you're about to tell me you don't do anything fun? Well, yes and no. <laughs> I, I guess I would say it's not that I don't do anything fun. It's that I think my days are pretty fun kind of day in and day out. And so I don't, I'm not like a thank God it's Friday kind of guy. Like, Although, thank God it is Friday. We are recording this on a Friday. And it's actually May the 4th. I was going to say May the 4th be with you, but I didn't know when you would air it. So Yeah. Also, too, I think I'm a little soured on May the 4th after that last film. So, like... Yeah, I didn't want to bring that up because yeah. I, knew, I knew that was a sore spot. <laughs> and, uh, my son gets really upset when you start to suggest that anything could have been different. He's just like, no, I thought that was the best one. And he really gets upset. Like, I don't know if I could push him to tears. I mean, I'm not saying it's that far, but... How old is he? He is 14. So Wait, how old are your kids? Oh, I know. Now I make myself sound terrible. So <laughs> kids are... Uh, so my son is 14. He's in high school. He was up literally all night. You know, we say pull an all-nighter. And for most people, like I pulled an all-nighter, that means like they slept like three hours, right? Yeah. No, he literally was up all night last night and the night before. And I actually, I think last night he fell asleep fully clothed head on book thing for a little bit but classic it's crazy and he's on the tennis team they have CIF finals next week and anyway so much going on with them then my daughter's in sixth grade she was the one I mentioned off air I guess that I had open house last night and we uh, we did that so it's kind of cool because now they're they're old enough that I can get things done like when my son was born I had five years between albums because they stayed home with me I mean there's no you know there's no good way to work same thing you're doing right now <laughs> I don't sympathize with this at all right <laughs> 
I need at least six hours a day, like, and that's being conservative. To do the editing of the show, I want to do more video content for Beyond Synth. I also have to do, like, a side job because, like, the Patreon's doing well. Like, I mean, I'm happy with it, but it's obviously not a wage, and so I have to supplement. And so every day I'm, I'm allotted, like, maybe two hours where I have to somehow cram, like, ten hours of work into it, and it just keeps compiling. And I have this dumb to-do list that I just keep adding things to. And I'm also not very good at organizing. Like, I'm not a very industrious guy. So I need complete and utter focus. Focus, and I haven't had it in probably like seven years or something. Like, it's just, I need to be locked in a room with no distractions, nothing on the wall, and just me staring at a computer. And as you know, when you have kids, it's like you maybe get five minutes. And when they're running around, then there's some sort of distraction. And then my brain has to reset. So the second I get back to the computer after like, oh shit, don't pull that off the shelf. And then I go back and fix the shelf and then the baby runs and does something else. And then the next five minutes is spent trying to like figure out where I was when I stopped. And that's pretty much been my life for the past like (laughs) six years or something. I've been there. And I think the uh, productivity experts say that it's more like 15 minutes to get back on task. Yeah, it's the interruptions are crazy. So, I mean, you, you can't do this yet. But I have a solid core door versus like, you know, like your front door is a solid core door, right? It's a door all the way through. Sure. Yeah. So I've got that in the studio. So when I close it, you know, I can record in here. It's quiet and it means I'm working. And so it's gotten a lot better. So trust me, Andy, it gets better. (laughs) So five years between an album and even now, I mean, I don't get... So what changes is that now I have taxi duties all afternoon. Mm. Get Eve to tennis, get her to dance, pick her up from dance, get her fed, take her to dance again for the second session of the night. Mm. Cole's got a tennis game. It's at one o'clock. Well, you know, I've got stuff going on at one o'clock, but no, I'm going to go to the tennis game. It could be three hours, could be five hours. Mm. It's just um, whatever. So (laughs) it's easier now because you know why it's easier? This this is terrible, but I can work more on the weekends now. Right. So now you understand what I'm talking about. So when I say my weekdays, like I don't look forward to the weekend necessarily. I mean, weekends are fine, but the weekdays are great. They're at school. So I have some dedicated time where I can really get the things I need to get done, done. And for me, you asked what my, you know, what I do for fun. So the days are pretty much all the same by virtue. Like I like it that way. I, I get up at 540. What? Yeah, I get up at 540. <laughs> I can There's this bird. I, I think it's more than one bird, but there, okay. There's a species of bird that at 540, it goes on my neighbor's house and goes, boop, 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 boop. it doesn't stop. And I mean, I think humans could possibly sleep through it, but for whatever reason, it just triggers my evolutionary buttons and, and I'm awake. So I'm up at 540. I meditate depending on how much or how long I'm going to run. I can meditate for, you know, 20 to 40 minutes, go for a run, you know, drive my daughter to school and then get some work done. If I'm lucky, I can go to lunch and read, read a book while I'm at lunch. That's kind of my favorite thing to do is actually read while I eat, which uh, talk about healthy habits. And then, uh, <laughs> then by the afternoon, you know, you're doing all the taxi stuff like I talked about. So that's what I, it's hard to do, but I set aside all the social media and the email stuff that I can to the late afternoon, evening when I'm getting interrupted. So that way, if I get interrupted, it's just like, I have to finish that tweet, not I need to finish that, you know, that music promotion post I was writing that's taking me 12 hours. I'm shitty at scheduling and organizing, but I find myself just, I'm just in this constant state of being stressed 
stressed out. And sometimes I'll do the bad thing. Like I will, I will have a to-do list, but like the, sometimes I don't parse out the duties properly. And so instead of breaking down a big task into like little tasks that I can accomplish and feel proud of myself, the task will be edit show. That's one item on the checklist. That's also a 15 hour <laughs> fucking checklist item, right? So I got to get better at doing like edit show, but like, and then subheading underneath that, like just transfer audio to folder, you know, label things correctly, you know, and then I can at least check things off and go like, Hey, I'm getting stuff done. Doesn't that feel gratuitous though? You're just, see, I know what you mean. You're supposed to do that. And I mean, honestly, I think the best way to do that is say edit first 10 minutes, no, mm. edit minutes 10 through 20. But for me, when I set those things up in my little to-do application, it just feels like I'm just trying to give myself easy wins. Yeah. And then I don't feel the accomplishment when I check those easy wins off anyway. Yeah. I mean, it's my understanding that those easy wins are helpful because it, it is a win as opposed to a loss. I think psychologically it's meant to be slightly better, but I, I get your point. Well, how about this? Let's listen to another song, man. Yeah, that would be great. So let's listen to this one. This is a track called Glory Days by Color Theory. Story 
And that was Glory Days by Color Theory. And I'm here with Color Theory right now. We're talking about time management and children. Yes, we are. See, that's the thing. Yeah, the weekends. What's happened now is anytime I go to like some event, if there's something in Toronto happening with like Synthwave or, you know, it's like if it happens in the week, during the week, I normally wouldn't go out during weeknights. But now it's like I kind of can because, hey, the kids are asleep and I can go out and have like a late night or I went and saw a movie. And when I watch movies now, it's literally like I'll go to the late show on a Sunday. It's not like a super convenient time, but it but at least it's like, hey, I can actually like duck away without pissing off my wife because, you know, like I'm just like, hey, <laughs> watch the kids. Bye. I'm going to go have fun at the movies. Like, so if I go to the late show on Sunday, everybody's in bed. I can just slink away and, and do what I need to do. And oftentimes, even if it's opening weekend of like a big movie, there isn't like a huge crowd at like 10 p.m. Sunday night. Well, and even if there is, there's one seat. You know what I mean? You can always find that one seat, so that's pretty smart. I mean, I should preface this. Having kids is also, like, an incredible joy. (laughs) It's just that... (laughs) I think the funny thing about kids is it's both the greatest thing and frustrating, and sometimes those things happen so close to each other that it's almost funny. I'm showing my son old Simpsons now, and so we're getting out the box set. We're on, like, season four. So I'll have these moments where I'm, like, we're laying on the couch, you know? I got up, got my arm around him. We're watching Simpsons. He's kind of getting some of the jokes, and I'm laughing. That's maybe, like, helping him understand some of them. Right. And I'm thinking, what a great moment. And then, like, he'll just jump off the couch real fast and, like, fall and, like, slam his head on something and be like, fuck, like, come on. Like, we were having a good time, you know? Like... Their heads are so resilient. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) they bounce right back. Where you or I would have a split skull, they just, like... You know, they cry for two minutes and they're like, they're okay. And But then you got to watch them. You got to like wake them up every like few hours to make sure they don't have a concussion. That's the one thing that sort of surprised me is certain things sort of awoke in me that were not present before. Because I always joke with my wife. I was just like, we're not having kids till I'm 40. Like I said, that. I mean, we're both the same age. So <laughs> we would have both been 40. And that was my running joke. And then we ended up having kids like pretty much the second we got married. And I wouldn't have ordinarily, like my wife was really like set on having a family and I was kind of like, yeah, you know, one of these days because I was thinking like I, I want to do my own thing. But I'm so glad we did it her way because, you know, now at least I have the energy to sort of contend with some of this stuff. But I just found when you're saying, you know, to wake them up every few hours, like I went through this phase and maybe it was just reading horrible news stories or people being paranoid where like every night when my kids are young, I always have to go back into the room and just check on them. No, I, that's, that's not just you. Yeah, I did that too. And it's, and yeah. it's weird. Like, I never thought I'd be that guy. I thought, like, the, the second they were asleep, I'm like, fine, I can rest. And I wouldn't. I'd have to go back in and be like, still breathing? Okay, good. And then I, I'd leave. And then I found that if they were too quiet and not making enough noise, like over the baby monitor, I would wake up at that. Yeah. Like, I would wake up when it was too quiet and be like, hold on. And then I like, rush over and be like, all right, everything's fine. So it's weird. It's like, I can't win. I can't sleep if they're being noisy and I can't sleep if they're being quiet. No, I know, I know. And I mean, I don't know if you've dealt with this, but my son used to, um, no matter how elaborate his crib was with the, you know, setting up the high walls and all that stuff, he would find a way to climb out of it and you just hear this thump. And that's why I say there were... (laughs) I mean... You'd look and, and I mean, like if it were a cat, like you wouldn't worry about it, you know, because the cat's going to, you know, whatever. I'm allergic to cats. I don't, I don't really show a lot of mercy for cats, but <laughs> they'll be fine. But, you know, he lands and he cries and you think 
God, if that were me, I was going to fall from like, you know, what, five times my height. I mean, I'm going to break my neck. And I swear, I mean, it wasn't, we weren't being negligent. I no, mean, no, no, kid. Yeah, they, it doesn't matter what you do. Like, they find a way. That's the scariest part, too, because I am, I'm not super mindful when it comes to leaving things out. Yeah. And that's something that, like, had to change with kids because I'm so bad at that. Like, just like, oh, I just made a sandwich and everything's still there. And then I walk back in the room, the baby's like holding a plate and like a peanut butter knife and just like, oh, fuck. Like, because yeah. I, why why put that away i might make myself another sandwich you know and they find things like they just find things and obviously like cleaners and products like that just have these nice colorful boxes and these these, these nice colorful jars and you think everything's put away fine and then that's when you start fucking safety proofing everything and all the cupboards have these weird locks on them and all they do is frustrate me the good news is that they outgrow all that stuff and then you're not worried about their physical safety as much as you are like oh they're you know they can watch dirty porn or yeah. something you yeah. know what i mean like well the that's the thing internet. yeah i don't know i don't know how i'm gonna deal with that because i don't i guess we'll never know fully for a, a long time what the ramifications of that are until they start doing like kind of studies i suppose i'm 36 so i'm from that generation that's like right on the cusp of you know i had a childhood that did not involve the internet the internet came in like the internet existed when i was in grade eight maybe but like really it wasn't like ubiquitous until i was in college pretty much like because even during high school not everyone had it it was like you know some of your friends had the internet and some of your friends didn't so it was a different it was just so different and and so i know what it's like being a guy looking at analog pornography uh, which meant you know, VHS tapes that we acquired or fucking magazines. And there is something I think that's more sinister about it now. And I'm not a prude. Like, I'm not a prude. But there's some fucked up shit that you can get access to pretty easily. And I don't know what that's going to do to their brains. Because there's no way we can stop them from seeing it necessarily because it's so easy to find. Oh, yeah. You don't even have to find it. You should see my twitter feed oh no yeah no exactly like especially too because i had one of those twitter accounts where i had i was using a program that would like follow so many people a day and like it was a way of trying to build things but i've long since disbanded that because it ultimately it was way more work for like the three people that ended up sticking around that mattered anyways i i'm convinced twitter is 90 percent not real people like i think i think the percentage is so high of fake stuff and there's just these bot accounts that just retweet and if it's like an adult bot account it just retweets any <laughs> horrible shit it finds. It's really upsetting, man, because I have a I have like a memory for for upsetting imagery. That's why I'm not really big into to horror movies. That's why I never found it funny when people pass along videos of like, hey, isn't this like weird? Watch this snowboarder like fly off this roof, and you're like, yeah, you just sent me a video of a snowboarder dying. Is what you right, mean? I know. And oh, for those car crashes, like people put these like, well, crazy Russian car crash compilation. I'm like, you're showing videos of, I'm pretty sure a couple deaths here. Like maybe there's some near misses, but then some of them are like, I don't think the people in that car lived. Right. So I find all that stuff so upsetting. And I just don't know what that's going to do to like a kid's brain because I'm, I'm seeing it as an adult because at least I was at least, you know, in my late teens before I saw like my first taste of like offensive horrible imagery and when that stuff is mixed with porn stuff then it's like ooh, i don't i don't think this is good and i don't think it's going to be good on their brains but who knows who knows maybe they'll get desensitized to it and it'll actually be better for their brains i don't know what do i know yeah no either there was this 
Oh God, I, I don't know why I'm even bringing this up because I'm not going to remember the name. But when I was in high school, there was this like movie. It was ostensibly a horror movie, but it was just a series of disturbing visual images. Oh my God, it's three words. It starts with an A, I think. I'm, I'll think of it, I'm sure, afterwards. It wasn't done, Faces but. of Death, was it? Oh, that's what I was thinking of. And I, I, don't, I, didn't, I just heard about it. Maybe you could tell me about it. I don't know. No, I remember but. one time they had one in our video store and one of my friends rented it. And one of the things was it was showing people eating like monkey brain out of like a live monkey or something. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. I remember that one seemed fake to me. I think it was like a combination of things. Like some of it was just like weird, like footage captured of like, like a police raid. And then like some drugged out dude, like just walks to the door and gets like shot by police and stuff. It's offensive. Like, but that was essentially the internet. Like that's what the internet is now is those stupid faces of death taste. But at least it was like a taboo thing to get your hands on. Like, oh, they've got a faces of death three. Yeah. Like a friend had a like sleepover where they were going to watch it and that was like it was a big deal because it wasn't something you'd see every day yeah i will say with the kids and stuff like now you know the end of my day is the best part because usually with my daughter we'll she'll finish her homework pretty early even though she theoretically has a ton of homework and we'll watch anime and we've worked through at least 100 anime probably closer to 200 by now and after if there's maybe not enough time to watch another episode if we're not into another episode um like she'll just kind of watch me play zelda and i've been like i play video games for months on end like one game like i just get really into one game so zelda i still i'm about ready to be done but it's really cool because she'll like solve all the puzzles you know like i won't have figured it out yet and she'll be like no 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 you need to do this or or like she'll see like i don't know i i saw you had a video about part of it but i don't know if you did (laughs) that well i did i did eventually yeah I, i was one heart short of pulling the master sword out of the stone in breath of the wild and so when you're one heart short it's so pathetic to watch because you just see the hearts going down and you literally just almost have the damn sword <laughs> and then he died you've done all the trials did you do all 45 levels after that um i beat the game i didn't do all of the shrines but i i did a lot and i did beat it yeah but so okay so you know with the dlc there's the series of quests where this um thing pops out with three little pillars and it'll show parts of the map like just little squares that have parts of the map where you have to go those will come up and she'll be like oh yeah that's over here she'll go north north west west and i'll be scrolling on the map and she'll just i don't know it's just it's pretty amazing she's like my co-pilot in uh, in zelda and we've done that whole thing together too so well that's cool like i want to play more games with my son but he's the games he's really into like i don't love so sometimes i have to try and find something to like because he's big into minecraft and i, I appreciate Minecraft as a game it just bores me me now he's big into goat simulator and like I bought that game as a joke I was like it was two dollars I'm like I'll fucking just get goat simulator and now he loves it it's like his favorite game and every day he's like daddy can you go on the internet and find out how to get the professor goat or whatever I'm like fuck and so I'm on there like what looking at tutorials and how to unlock these stupid goats and the game's purposefully stupid right yeah and and it's amazing how like I spend like 50 bucks on buying him like some new Lego game that he plays like hardly ever plays and then stupid goat simulator was two dollars and like (laughs) it's his favorite thing yeah my son loved lego star wars the first one we did that together you know side by side and you can it's like uh, all cooperative play it was 
really cool. And then so we got like the Batman one and the something else. And then, yeah, same thing. It's just once the phone was the thing that that was it. And he did the goat simulator because he watches. Didn't PewDiePie like recommend that? Or I don't know. I think that's how we learned about it. So yeah. And then he watches PewDiePie. And that's the thing that frustrates me because, and you'll have to deal with this. It's phones. Kids don't have relationships. They have phones. And so they sit next to each other. And I guess you can tell who the friends are because they're sitting next to each other. But otherwise, they're all just looking at the phones. For Cole, what's on his phone? So he he has Instagram, but it's all like he says meme accounts. That's all Instagram is good for is memes. Yeah. And the YouTube stuff, it's all, you know, game, you know, let's play type stuff. But it's always just screaming and yelling and, and it's out of that little like, you know, quarter inch speaker. Yeah. For me, that's just the worst sound in the world. It's just so distracting. No, no, I agree, oh. man. I can't, I can't do it. My son watches those like YouTube videos too. And he watches these like Minecraft videos by this couple called Pat and Jen. <laughs> and Jen has this, this annoying voice and she's always screaming. And uh. anyway, let's listen to another song about that. <laughs> good idea. I'm good at segues. This track is called In Motion by Color Theory.
And that was In Motion by Color Theory. I think earlier on in the chat, this was one of the ones I was alluding to in reference to when you will make a bold choice with a strange sound and put it in. So you have this kind of synth, almost, uh, to me, it's like a synth cat mew, where it's like, (laughs) like, mew, doodly, mew, doodly, mew. (laughs) I can tell you where that came from, actually. Um, So nobody notice this you know sometimes you get inspired by something and then you you make the song and you're worried like people are gonna go oh my god that's exactly that thing you were inspired by and they're gonna call you out on it and you're gonna feel like oh you know i'm so derivative i don't have an original idea well that that intro there was this anime called recovery of an mmo junkie it was about about this woman that plays world of warcraft basically anyway the opening theme had a figure just like in motion the way it's that kind of like right so I built on that. So I guess I didn't have to pick the squealy sound, but the general idea of that kind of stop, start, stop, start thing, that was kind of the whole, that opening from that anime is what inspired me to, to make the song. And it all came from that. Well, it's a great chorus, man. It's a catchy chorus. I picture like if there was some sort of video for it, there's got to be like some dude like running down the road as it's playing, like just for like the staying in motion bit. Right. I actually um, got that on a couple playlists on Spotify that were related to travel because I thought that would be a good angle, right? It's the idea is you've always got to keep moving. You don't want to stop. And I mean, I referenced like sailing oceans and climbing mountains. And so I just, to me, it kind of felt like an ad for a, a travel agency almost. So I, I kind of went with that for a little bit and, and got a little bit of mileage out of it. <laughs> so talk to me then about that because you seem very transparent about when you're like, hey, I, I'm trying this service to see if this can help boost plays or whatever. And then you'll like write about your experience with it. Like I've seen a few posts of things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And well, right. I started that way back with um, the Thought Chapter album that was in 2007, I think. So I started the blog. It's called Passive Promotion. Mostly it was just like, okay, I'm going to share with my fans like what I'm doing to promote this album. Quickly, it became clear that my fans weren't that interested, but other musicians were really interested. It kind of went from there. And so, yeah, mostly I write about there are all sorts of music services and some scams and, you know, because people promise you a whole lot of stuff that that's never going to happen. So I'll try out these different services. Yeah. And the difference is this. I think in the music promotion world, there are a whole lot of sites and services and kind of gurus that, you know, you go on the site, they want you to download their free ebook, and then they're going to sell you a course on how to promote your music, but they don't make music, you know, they're not musicians. And so I think the kind of unique thing I can offer is that, you know, hey, I'm a musician, you know, I'm not a household name, but I do have some fans that follow me. So, you know, let's see what these services can do for an actual working musician. So it's been it's been kind of fun. So yeah, I wrote about Spotify ads. Like I put an ad on Spotify. You know, hey, Brian Hazard Color Theory here. Check out my new track, blah, blah, blah. And that didn't work at all. That, that did nothing. I wrote about Facebook ads recently because that's kind of tricky business and kind of what works there. And it was fun because I asked my fans and just people that follow my profile, like, Hey, what what ads are you seeing by me? How often do you see them? Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a little bit of, you know, seeing how the sausage is made. Like there's certainly not this veil of mystery around me and what I do, which may work against me, I don't know, in some ways as far as being a convincing storyteller, but it's kind of fun. I enjoy kind of sharing my escapades there and it seems to help a lot of other musicians, especially when I write about something that they were potentially going to spend a lot of money on that that didn't do anything. So have you found anything useful or is the takeaway that it's all it's all scams? No, 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 it's useful. So right now, there are actually a few things that I recommend. Like for every song that I, that I write, I do this 
thing called crowd review. It's on Reverb Nation. So basically, it's getting a bunch of strangers to say what they like and don't like about your song. They have no obligation to, um, you know, they have no reason to be dishonest like everybody else in our personal lives. So they just tell it like it is. And sometimes they're hilarious, their comments. So I get to repost those on Twitter. (laughs) I do that every time. So you get a score, like each song gets a score. And that score kind of lets me know if I should be investing some money in the song or if maybe this is an album track. And so I use that. Uh, Feature.fm is another site that they actually put your song on Deezer right now. It's like straight into the, uh, if somebody's on the free tier and they're listening to a playlist, you can have your song kind of stuck into that playlist. And what we find is that a lot of people like that song. And then, you know, cause it's just, they don't notice it's like really an ad in a sense. It's just another song that comes up and, and they'll add it to their own playlist and share it. So that's been effective. And they have a program called smart links that like, if I say, Hey, check out my new song, it's on Spotify here. Well, I don't have Spotify. So the smart link, you just send them to that link and then it shows all the different options. You've probably seen this. So they can go to iTunes or Deezer or SoundCloud or YouTube and hear your song there. Right, um, right, right. So that's a cool thing. And But how I'm, I'm curious to be like how people sort of respond to your stuff because there is sort of like a niche quality to it. So like you must get some really funny I mean, I know you said you did, but I mean, like, it's interesting to me to imagine, like, when a color theory track comes in, because, like, you do have these sort of um, non, uh, I'd say non-standard kind of chorus structures and things like that. And, and, and so I'm, I'm curious what the feedback is like. Well, you know, the last time, so my most recent song is called In Space, No One Can Hear You Cry. I said it was kind of Blade Runner meets Morrissey. It's kind of like a 70s space epic with a bit of a kind of novelty song feel to it. So definitely not standard, like you said. And it did really well on Crowd Review. It scored in the 91st percentile there. And so Reverb Nation is going to automatically feature it on their homepage. So it surprises me. Yeah, I thought something like that, like nobody's going to like it. It's just weird. So you never know. And that's, that's why I find it so valuable because I don't I really don't know what strangers are gonna think about it well it's a catchy chorus I mean like it's it's a good song I dig it I hear the Blade Runner bass line mm-hmm. uh, yeah. from you know like the end of the movie that like that's there yeah again though like you'll do these things that I consider bold like when you have a song that's in space no one can hear you cry it is a bold sentence to sing when I say bold, I mean it's sort of like a risky thing, right? And even just looking at it as a song title, it's it's ridiculously long. Like, what, <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of artists I listen to who, who I like. There is a persona that's being put forth, and that persona is cool or tough. They have a, a thing. I feel like when there's certain titles that uh, on the surface are cheesy or silly or whatever, like it's it's a risk. Like it's kind of like it's a bolt. Like, no, I'm going to call my song this. Maybe even if the, the chorus is in space, no one can hear you cry. I'm going to go with just calling it in space because, you know, that'll look cooler. So you make these decisions where I feel like there's a confidence you have going into this. Just like, here's my fucking song, you know, and then just here it is. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, no, I, I like that. And, and you know, I got to admit, like, so I've been making some decisions. You know, I, I have a Patreon too, so I, it's kind of the same thing. Like, so I bounce all these ideas off the patrons. I mean, not that song title, but with what to do next. What am I doing with all this? And so I'm thinking maybe this phase with in motion, with a you know the cat sound and and this weird space 
something. You know, maybe this is a little more of an experimental phase for me. I'm thinking I'm going to release all this stuff on an EP instead of a an album. You know, if you invite me back on the show in six months and I've got the stuff for this new album I'm working on, I think you're going to find that it's kind of all very cohesive and all kind of one sound to where I'm hoping it gets to the point, at least with this project, where people could hear, like, say I remix somebody's tune, like in 30 seconds, they'd go, oh, that's color theory. Right. Boom. So it does change. But right, yeah, right now, I think with this, the kind of synth wave thing that I've I've enjoyed really getting to know the music and the community. I mean, everybody's been super cool. Night Raptor is coming out with this remix of In Motion. Really cool guy. There's a Synthwave producers group on Facebook. I just said, hey, anybody want to remix this? And he did. And so I I guess what I'm saying is that just kind of exploring this whole scene, I'm kind of getting my toes wet in a lot of different ponds. That's that's terrible. (laughs) <laughs> that sounds like something I'd say. Yeah. Well, how about this? Let's uh, let's listen to that track uh, in space. No one can hear you cry, and then maybe we can we can wind this down, right? Because we've been uh, we've been talking for a while here. So uh, here is in space. No one can hear you cry by Color Theory. <laughs> Any day 
And that was In Space, No One Can Hear You Cry by Color Theory. And I'm here with Color Theory right now. Mr. Brian Hazard. Yeah, and that's a cool song. I dig that one. And uh, yeah, we can probably wind down, man, because it's been, we've been talking for, for a while. Yeah. Did it, did it go okay? No, it's good. It's good. Yeah, it's a, it just sort of goes by. And then sometimes people message me later going like, oh, I never talked about this thing. And I'm like, yep. That's how it goes, yeah. Yeah, we did that weird tangent for a while about stuff that no one thought they were going to talk about. Yeah, so people should go check out uh, Color Theory. You've always had a nice, clean production value. You know, you, your vocals always have sounded nice and clean. Yeah, well, the, you know, I'm a mastering engineer, uh, quote unquote, by day. Yeah, so I, I give people a lot of, uh, of mixed advice, and I don't think that my mixes quite live up to the, uh, the advice that I give to other people because it's hard when it's your own stuff, but I definitely uh, do my best. Well, that's all you can be asked to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wise words. <laughs> Yeah, I'm kind of like a sage. I just wait till the, the one person says a smart thing and then just kind of piggyback onto it and be like, yes, so true. Yeah, I was going to try to pull out a little Yoda, Yoda-ism, you know, being the fourth and all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't bring myself to do it, so. My favorite thing that Yoda does now is to shoot lightning from beyond the grave and blow up trees. Yeah. Yeah, that's a... Sorry, I got to not talk about that film. So look, yeah. it was good talking to you. Nice to meet you. Yeah, no, I, I really appreciate it. I've been listening. I'm a patron. I'm not a uh, quite at a whatever Patterson level that you give me. To. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, I, I appreciate that. Thank you. Like, I, I can't read all the names on every show. So I made a distinction of like, and with any luck, you know, if it grows to be a bigger thing, and I hope that it does, there will be a point where I'm probably going to have to like be like, all right, this week, it's just the $10 ones. And You will, you will. No, that's good. And to my credit i guess i i support like 20 creators so i wish i could be a, a mark of the beast yeah. <laughs> well the most important thing is that you keep on making some cool tunes i will do that which you've been doing for for many many years so i should say even though when i talk about the synth wave and all this stuff i mean you obviously technically predate a lot of this by several a long time i was gonna say several decades but you know at least a decade uh, before you know, synthwave was uh, was even a thing. So it's it's funny when these little scenes kind of crop up, and who knows where it'll be uh, in a while. But I remember Electro Clash? That was a thing. And Electro Clash. Yeah, that was that was it for. It, what happens is that some scene comes out, and then everybody says, "Oh yeah, my music is that." Yes. And so I tried not to do that. Like I didn't try to take all my old stuff and call it synthwave. I, instead, I made new music that actually was inspired by the synthwave bands that i listen to so no it makes sense yeah I, I do see a lot of that now people say synth wave and it's like but then again my broad definition of synth wave does technically encompass like a ton of shit so yeah. maybe i'm guilty of it too i don't know hey better to be inclusive right i like that yeah. <laughs> that's me man mr inclusive well listen you have a lovely day and uh and it was good talking to you and people should go check out color theory yeah man that's my awesome that's my awesome wrap-up i like it that was uh, succinct and to the point and uh and i really do appreciate being on and uh have a great rest of your day it's a little later out there i think but i'm about to go get some lunch what are you having for lunch i'm thinking pickup sticks do you have pickup sticks no do you know what, what the fuck is pickup sticks it's okay so it's sticks s-t-i-x mm. like in it and the, the x makes two little chopsticks so it's a little it's kind of a chinese chain okay 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 we have one. We have one up here called. Oh, what the? Uh, it's like a terrible pun. I mean, a lot of them are pun based. What's the one? It's got like walk in the pun. Yeah, there's there was a volcano here. They, <laughs> even pickup sticks says their food is so walk and delicious. And then Del Taco 
says it's unfreshing believable. It's like, just come on, say the F word. You know, it's... Wait, walking... What? Walking delicious? What, what did they say? It's like walking delicious or... And then, and then oh, the worst is there's this app on your phone that like a loyalty app that I use when I go there. So you get points and you get free meals and stuff. And every time you register the new points, it says this huge banner flies across your screen. It says, you walk. Oh, I get it. I just groan every time. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Anyway, life life is really rough out here in California. So, hey man, California, California. Okay, I got nothing. All right, man. Look, have a lovely day. Enjoy your Chinese food, and uh, and we'll talk again in the future, Mister Brian Hazard. Sounds good. See ya. All right, and that was my conversation with Color Theory. So I hope you enjoyed that. Tune in next time to Beyond Synth. I do want to say, uh, I know I mentioned it on Twitter, but I am still accepting your chiptune and vaporwave suggestions. I'm going to be doing some vaporwave and chiptune-themed shows in the coming months. Probably not soon, but soon enough. And uh, I want to do the research, man. And I found a lot of really awesome chiptune artists, and uh, I'm probably going to have some on the show because I think that would be cool. Cool, because I've always been interested in sort of the chiptune scene because there was like this this scene. There's like the demo scene and all this other stuff that I don't really know too much about. So we're gonna learn. We're gonna learn together, and uh, and that's all I got to say. So have a lovely weekend. Keep on being cool, people, uh, and uh, we'll we'll talk soon on Beyond Synth, the best synth music chat show there is. Thanks for Thanks for listening to Beyond Synth. If you would like to support Beyond Synth, please visit patreon.com forward slash beyond synth. And don't forget to check out Beyond Synth on Facebook, Twitter, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Instagram. If you want to submit your music for the show, please email it to beyondsynth at gmail.com. Have a lovely day.